So, and then I started writing newsletters at high school. Okay. Like, uh, I guess it was the earlier blog. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So there weren't blogs, but I had a nice printer. My dad, <laughs> we got a computer and we got a printer that printed color paper, like yeah, color pictures. Huge. That was huge. That was so huge. like my sister designed this, she graphic designed this. I called it the Asian cult newsletter. <laughs> and uh, I remember in high school, I was passing it around and my teachers was like, you should call it cultural because it might freak people out <laughs> if we call it Asian cult. And so, but I wrote about comedy at that one point and I wanted to do stand up but I never had the balls to do it, and I was like 16. You were writing about wanting to do comedy when yes. you were 16. Yeah. To your school. To my school, yeah. To my student. I gave it to teachers. I handed it to students to read. And Wow. Uh, I had this dream of doing stand-up. Welcome. We are back with another OK Podcast. Episode 35, I think. Uh, this is the world's most OK Podcast where we talk about stand-up comedy. We interview comedians and we just talk about like uh, seals sometimes, like elephant documentaries. We talk about what it's like waiting in a bar when you don't drink for three hours. We cover all sorts of things. Over at Comedian Ordinaire. But uh, today we got another special guest, another fantastic comedian. Um, you <clears throat> can probably hear I'm just a little bit sick. I'm at the level of sick, and it's my favorite level of being sick because you get to say this thing about it. But I'm at the level where I'm not all the way sick. I just, you know, like it's post-sick, so there's a lot of phlegm. Oh yeah, we're getting into phlegm talk. Oh yeah, less than less than two minutes in, we're talking about phlegm. But I uh, I like getting all phlegmy, you know, because I tell people to call me Ernest Flemingway. All right. <clears throat> oh nope. Okay, no, it is still recording. It's just sometimes it gets so quiet in here after I say things like that. But uh, we got another special guest, Anthony Bartolo. Anthony Bartolo is a comedian based out of Boulder, Colorado. He travels to Denver pretty frequently, though, and he actually hosts his very own open mic, the Vision Quest Open Mic, and that is all the details for that are in the description. Uh, Anthony was nice enough to actually rent out a room, like a, a room at a library up in Boulder. Uh, that's where I met him to record this podcast, and <clears throat> when I walked in, I was like, uh, this is the biggest study room that I've ever seen in my life. And I just thought Boulder had this sort of like fuck you money where they're like, yeah, we do everything big as fuck because be Boulder. Like that's that's their that's the city's motto. Be Boulder. That's fantastic. It's it's clever. It's witty. And it's a little bit annoying. But I just thought because it is be Boulder that they might do everything bigger. And the room was <clears throat> enormous. Come to find out, uh, Anthony had actually just rented out a conference room. 
where people that have businesses meet with a bunch of other people that are interested in that business. And then they talk about it. They're like, hey, look, this is what we're going to sell. We got to sell lotion and uh, and tissue paper. And they're like, why? Because that sounds pretty gross, those two things together. But uh, what what am I talking about? Oh, my God. Um, before we get into it, if you do want to support the podcast, you can follow the page on Instagram, comedian.ordinaire. As always, all questions, comments, queries, and concerns are welcome at comedianordinaire at gmail.com. That one's less fun to say because I like saying the at's pretty aggressive and then .com is kind of a boner kill. But uh, every email will be read and answered, so I love it. So hit it up. Go hit that one up. Even if it's like, hey, get well soon or I hope you die in two weeks. I'm all about it. I just like getting things in there. Um, and, and then tell a friend, if you have a comedian friend, tell that person too. I just want to sit down and talk to him. Not when I'm sick, when I'm feeling better, but, uh, holy shit, I've been talking for about four minutes, so that's basically how you can support the pod though. Just, Hey, you know, I know this, this crazy guy, he kind of thinks he's funny and he thinks he's interesting. The people that he talks to are interesting and maybe you want to listen to those people. Maybe that's how you pitch it. However you do it, I appreciate it, but without further ado. Today's guest is Anthony Bartolo. Anthony, um, originally grew up in New Jersey and moved to Boulder, Colorado some 13 years ago. Uh, he's a recent winner of the Thick Skin Showcase at Comedy Works Denver alongside John Novosat. Shout out to Boulder. And has been doing stand-up comedy for about seven years. Um, he's now the host of the Vision Quest Open Mic in Boulder. That happens every Thursday at 6.30, and you can DM him for more information. Anthony Bartolo, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Uh, thank you, uh, Dano. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I've seen you perform a few times. We were just talking about it before we got on. I saw you most recently at the Nerd Mic, which was a while ago, but... Yes. Uh, I do um, remember that night very... Uh, you remember that? I did, because uh, it was a Friday night, uh-huh. and there wasn't any mics... And I felt like going out to find a mic, and I believe I remember Peter Cohen was hosting. Right. And I haven't been there, and I remember going in there, and there was this one guy that was just heckling everybody. That's right. He was on crutches. He was on crutches, and I remember nobody was like saying anything to him. I was like, just tell him. <laughs> he was yeah. like, and I I remember picking on him because I go like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. And I remember helping him open the door because he was he was in crutches and he was walking to the next room. And That's I, right. And I stepped down and I opened the door for him. I was being really nice, and he just got all of a sudden insecure and was like, "Why are you doing this?" I was like, "Well, because well, I don't know. It's the nice thing to do." But uh, he he was a bit, he was like six something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like as tall as you were, like an inch taller. Yeah, but he was in crutches though, so it's like you know, it's not like he was going to hit me or anything. Right, yeah, I mean, maybe with the crutch. Maybe a crutch. Been. Uh, Nothing happened at the end of the show, actually. He he actually approached me, and I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. And I was like, I was getting in that sort of, I don't know. I don't think I was going to hit me, but I, had, I was in this stance where sure. I was like, what's, you were defensive a little defensive bit. Defensive a little bit. And he just walked up to me, and he just held his hand, and we shook hands. And uh, he goes, a good job. And he walked away. So. Do you remember what you said to him? Because he was heckling everybody, and you actually stepped off of the stage, like walked over to him. 
Uh, I remember, I think I called him, he looked like a meth dealer. <laughs> I remember he did. He looked like, he looked like uh, some meth dealer from yeah. Lakewood. I don't know. I'm, yeah. And I, I just remember saying that. And he also gave, I asked him what his name was and he gave me this fake name. He said something like skier, something like that. Like yeah. Skier. And then he started you know, Sick. I started interviewing him. I go like, so what do you do? And That's right, yeah. And then he just sort of like was trying to make jokes that weren't funny. And I said, I think I said to him, uh, not interesting as I intended. <laughs> as I Yeah, he, uh, did you record that set, by the way? No, I, I don't. I no. Don't. I'm terrible. I don't record sets. Really, you don't record? No, I should. I know it's a terrible habit of mine. Yeah, but. I guess that's the thing. No, I, it's so funny that you made fun of him, too. I remember... That night, like, uh, I went up and and he was just, he was like, said boo right after a joke. That means that was good. So I will take that. Yes. Like, right after I said something, you know, it's like, I like this guy over here, actually. It's like somebody told him to break a leg and he just, like, took it way too seriously. Oh, no, I like that. I like that. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That was pretty good, though. I, I, I mean, he, what did he say? He just said boo? Or? No, he goes, ah, you got me, you got me. And well, that's then good. he yeah. shut up for like the next two minutes, but then wouldn't leave any of the other comics alone. Well, then they should have they should have said something. Oh, I, I guess mean, he's like a bar regular there for like 10 years or whatever. And that's your, I mean, that's the job of a comedian. You got to like, you got to quiet, you have to shut him down. And Right. Yeah, I mean, who cares if he's their bar regular? Right. It's a show. We'll get into all the heckling stories in a little bit, but this is like an interview style thing, so we're gonna get to know you and just the more personal side of you. Um, you did grow up in New Jersey. What kind of kid were you growing up over there? Uh, very Catholic and shy. You were a shy Catholic. I was a shy Catholic. Were uh, you like a good student in school at all? Uh, I guess. Like the thing was is that my parents, I grew up in this, um, I don't, I don't wanna say the word, it's kinda, <laughs> It's not a ghetto. It okay. was like it was, it was Passaic, New Jersey, which was the neighboring town of uh, Patterson. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw that movie "Lean on Me" with Morgan Freeman. Uh, no, no. Um, it, it was. Um, it's kind of I don't know if it was exaggerated, but it was a Morgan. Fre- it's a true story. Okay. Morgan Freeman plays a principal. It takes over this high school, and it was like one of the worst high schools in the nation. But it was once also one of the best schools, like in the sixties, and then it just declined. Okay. And they, I remember the movie was like they would play "Welcome to the Jungle" by Guns N' Roses, and that's how <laughs> they opened. There were people being fights, and I don't know. I think it was kind of like maybe exaggerated. Yeah. I lived in the neighboring town. Ah. Of that, um, it was it, it was a city, very urban, very city like yeah. area. Um, it was it has a lot of history. Right. Um, and you go back from time to time now? Yeah, I haven't been there in a while because my parents, um, my mom and my sister live in Atlanta now. Okay. And so I have some family, I have cousins there. Sure. Um, I still, yeah, my, most of my dad's side lives there. So it's been a while. I think the last time I was there, my, my aunt died. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a fairly urban city. Right. And it's not Boulder. Where this is totally Boulder's the total opposite. Boulder is such a weird city because there's like million dollar homes, and then across the street you have like an Instagram model living like the van life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so strange. There's a collection of people here. It is, but you know what? This is heaven for me right now yeah. <laughs> compared to where I grew up. And right. Not that I, I don't want to demean where I grew up. It's uh, it has a lot of history. Like it, it, 
I didn't I didn't notice till like like I didn't, like maybe I moved here to Colorado when YouTube was picking up, which was back in two thousand six. Right. Um, Capitol Theater was it was the home of the Capitol Theater, mm. and I don't know if you know about the Capitol Theater. No, no. Um, it was very popular because Passaic was like about like I don't know. I'm averaging maybe 10, 15 miles from the city, New York City. Okay. And a lot of bands performed in the Capitol Theater, like Talking Heads, Prince, Hall and Notes, Cheap nice. Trick. Any band you was like, that's huge now. Okay. Stopped at Capitol Theater. And that theater was actually had one of the state-of-the-art uh, video at the time in the 80, late 70s, early 80s, but it's black and white. So you can go on YouTube and type in Capitol Theater, spelled with, uh, with an O okay. at the end, T-O-L. And you'll be like, oh my God, there's like these bands performing that like really? were just starting out. Um, but it got, I think, I think it became a, a crack house or it got, oh, yeah. the theater became a crack house? It, it got like, it wasn't taken care of. I don't know what happened. I have to look, research the history. Okay. But um, it got demolished. It was a pizza hut when I left. Oh my God. New Jersey. So the I don't know what. pizza hut. Yeah. Probably. So I don't know what it is now, but we also had a porn, porn theater. Uh, what does that mean? It was a porno theater in the in the in, in my town. Like they would perform it or show movies. Show movies, ah. X-rated movies. Um, okay. It was shut down when I was in high school because there was like people soliciting sex there. Did you ever go? No, to the theater? no, of course not. That was dangerous. You no. can say you have. We'll edit it out. I'm just. My name is Anthony Bartolo, and you're probably thinking, why does he look Asian? Uh, <laughs> By the way, look, yeah, I am Asian, and as an Asian-American comedian, I refuse to do what I see most Asian-American comedians do, which is an impersonation of their parents in a funny accent. I refuse to do it, it's racist. It's racist, plus, uh, even if I want to do it, my parents are from the Philippines, and if you don't know, yeah, was formerly a colony of the US, so they speak perfect English, so when they say, Anthony, we're disappointed with you. It sounds exactly like Anthony, we're disappointed with you. No, okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. I wouldn't. I would have been dead. Okay. If I went there, uh, but it was. Uh, I think Frank Sinatra, because it was an old theater. Frank Sinatra performed there at nice. one point. Nice. So it's this weird history in my town. Yeah. And, um, the the poet uh, William Carlos Williams was the doctor in the St. Mary's. Um, wow. Hospital there, so yeah, it was a, it was a great town. Um, but I actually, uh, but my parents made enough money that they didn't want me to go to the public school there, mm -hmm. so they sent me to a Catholic school, which was the other neighboring town, mm. which was Wallington, New Jersey. I think it's um, at one point it was the Guinness Book of World Records for the the town with the most um, bars in a square mile. Oh, my God. Because I think the town is like literally a square mile. And then there's also a Catholic school there? Yes. The Whoa. most Sacred Heart uh, Catholic school. And I went Shout there out Sacred Heart. Yeah. I went there from pre-K to eighth grade. Okay. And um, my sister and I went there. I have an older sister. so And grew up very religious? Uh, yes. I was an altar boy. Oh. Um, I had nuns as teachers. Mm. Um, but my parents weren't. Like, they were Catholic. Like, my mom prayed the rosary. Uh-huh. But, um, and we went to church every now and again. But she was very, she believed, I think, like, her, her, my grandfather was that he felt that religion was more personal as opposed to community. Because I think my mom kind of felt like it was kind of like, if you go to church, 
it was kind of showing off that you were religious. It didn't really. Really? Yeah. She really believes in more like personal prayer and. Like the more humble side of it. The more humble side. Okay. To it. So my parents were religious, but they weren't like strict. They were more like this is religion is more about your personal uh, relationship with right. God or whatever you believe in. So, Are you still religious today? I have a master's degree in religious studies, actually, wow. from, from Naropa. So no? or uh, It's a weird, complicated uh, relationship. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to be a filmmaker and went to film school. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite film director was Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah. Goodfellas, your favorite movie? or uh, No. Well, yeah, it's a great movie. All his movies are great. Um, I got in trouble in Catholic school when I was in eighth grade, um, right before I graduated, I did a presentation on Martin Scorsese, okay. and he made that movie, Last Temptation of Christ, mm. which was um, was banned by the Catholic Church, basically. Oh, my gosh. And I, I passed out pamphlets uh, to my classmates uh-huh. during the par- presentation, and the nun had to, who was teaching the class had to collect it and saying that we can't allow this. And it, it felt bad because it was like I really worked hard right. on this project in this presentation right so i kind of like i lost faith in sort of the catholic church i wanted to be a priest at one point and so and same thing you know that's why i love scorsese because he had the same he wanted to be a priest as well he was asthmatic yeah like me like he watched movies because he didn't want to he couldn't go outside i didn't know that yeah i mean Passaic was like very urban so i didn't play outside Uh it was very like you know like it's funny, like skateboards here. Yeah, it's like a new thing to me. People are just skateboarding. Yeah, in the streets <laughs> in New Jersey, the the sidewalks are all broken, so you can't really skateboard. Really? Yeah. So you just walk or you drive. So what do you do for fun, staying at home? Are you into comedy as a kid? Are you a funny kid at all? Uh I was funny to my parents. Okay. And my first relationship with comedy was my mom. Uh huh. I was I lived in this. Two family house. I don't know if there's two family houses in Colorado, but there's duplexes, but there's a huge wall in the middle. I don't know if it's yeah. Like sort of. I, I lived in the first floor, and my aunt, who owned the house, lived in the oh. second floor. Okay. And she was a very nice aunt because I think we didn't pay rent. But, oh yeah, super nice. But uh, but my dad helped out in th- certain things. Like he gave money when he could. And, right. Um. So. He, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry, no, just what, like, you know, how did you get into comedy? Originally? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because yeah. you're inside most of the day. No? Yes. Uh, we had HBO um, that we kind of, like, split the cable. I don't know if you remember that back in the day. Split the cable. Yeah. Do you know what that is? I know. I think it's, it sounds like stealing cable. Yeah, it kind of is, but it was my aunt. My mm-hmm. aunt was paying for HBO, and what we did, my dad would, like, take the cable and then put a little, like, adapter and split it. <laughs> and put, and connected to our TV. He was stealing from your aunt. Well, she knew. Oh, she, she knew. knew. All right. Uh, but the thing is, the picture quality wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, but that's how we got HBO. And HBO was, you know, comedy shows. Like Netflix now, it's like everybody has like a Netflix that's right. special. Um, I remember HBO. It was like an event. And George Carlin had been doing a lot of specials, and it was jamming in New York was the special, and it was live. Okay. Like, totally live. Like, yeah. it was, like, performing in New York City, so this is, like, literally just 15 miles from where I'm living. What year was this, by the way, jamming? 92. 92. Yeah, 92. he's had, like, 13 specials, no? Yes. So he, he's been uh, 
It was his angry period. Oh, okay. It wasn't like his his hippie period. It was his really angry period. And I was in the kitchen, and I hear my mom laughing hysterically. Okay. And uh, I go to the living room where the, the TV was, and I go like, "Mom, what are you what are you watching?" And she's like, "Oh, is this this comedian George Carlin?" And I was like, oh, "Who's that?" And he's like, "Oh, he's very funny." And it goes like, "What are you laughing about?" Oh, because he was talking about how, like, you know, how, like, rockets look like dicks. <laughs> well, she didn't really say dicks, but she said, I don't forgot what she said. Penis, maybe. Sure. But shalom. I was, yeah, shalom. I don't know, I was 10 or 11. Okay. And she was just laughing because, she, and the thing is, I really didn't understand the the joke of why it's funny until, like, I listened to it, like, maybe four years later when I bought the album. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I was, you know, but that's how I was introduced. I was like, oh, George Carlin, my mom really liked it. And then... Yeah. I don't know, it's stuck in my brain. And then uh, around my high school years, Borders, I don't know if you remember Borders Bookstore. Yeah. Um, that was the thing. Because we hung out at the mall. That's what I did. I don't. I didn't hike. There was no... You were outdoorsy. I wasn't outdoorsy. We had something called Garrett Mountain in Patterson, New Jersey, which is a hill compared to this <laughs> boulder <laughs> mountains here. Right. Uh, but that's about it. And uh, I would go to Borders. My mom worked in the mall. Okay. Uh, part time. She had a full time job, and then she would work at uh, the mall department store, wow, Lord awesome. and Taylor. Yeah. So sometimes uh, she'll work from uh, she'll come home from work at after like around four, mm-hmm. and then I would get off school, and it's a Friday, and she said, "I'm working till nine. You want to go hang out in the mall? I work." So she would take me, and I would literally just hang out in the mall by myself, and I would go to Borders. Wow. And I would look at books. Uh, listen to jazz CDs. I don't know. It was really nerdy. Yeah. Because uh, you would listen to music at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had the thing. Like, yeah, the, that's yeah. right. They had the headphones. Headphones, station. yeah. And they had the CD connected to it, and you would listen. Right. Um, but I was, like, hanging out there. And I exposed myself to music. And then I was like, oh, you know, there's this uh, – it was Chris Rock special on HBO, Bring the Pain, I think. Okay. Um, I remember the first – um, beginning of that special where he's like walking out it's very cool they're playing that hip hop music uh-huh. and but they were showing all the albums that influenced him and what, what I found interesting was it wasn't like what we would think it he would be influenced like Steve Martin right like Woody Allen and then like and then he'll put Bill Cosby which you know at the time was at the time it was yeah, fun yeah. Uh, so I was like oh you know, it's not just HBO specials. There are albums yeah, out there. Right. So I said, like, I wonder what's in the CD comedy album section. So I flipped. I went there, and it was like George Carlin. So I bought those. Nice. And then I bought, like, Woody Allen, and I bought Richard Pryor. Is Woody Pryor. Allen a stand-up comedian? Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that at all. I oh, yeah. M- mostly a filmmaker and actor. No, he was a stand-up. Really? Yeah, he was a comedian. He, I had no idea. Yeah, he was good, really good. Um, he, yeah, he started, he was, uh, I think in high school, he wrote, he sent jokes to a magazine that published it. Uh-huh. And he quit high school. He quit high school? Yeah, because he was making money out of the jokes writing, the joke writing. Wow. And then he was hired by Mel Brooks for your show of shows with, Seeds, with Sid Caesar. He was Caesar. born for it then. He was. Wow, he was I worked no hard. Idea. Yeah, he was born for it. And then um, he was writing jokes for these TV shows in the 50s and 60s. And I think one of his agents was like, maybe you should do stand-up. 
And he did, and he bombed, but he was doing like the bitter end okay. uh, in the village in New York City. That's where also George Carlin was, uh-huh. uh, Richard Pryor. Wow. And so these were, you know, and I've been to the bitter end in New York City, and it's, it's, it's smaller than the, uh, the, the, the nerd mic, basically. It's smaller than that. It's smaller than that. It's wow. much more compact. But like a lot of these legends like started comedy there. And John Stewart started there. Nice. So, yeah, so it was this whole thing. I got into Lenny Bruce. I was reading about him because apparently, like, George Carlin was influenced by him. And right. So, and then I started writing newsletters at high school. Okay. Like, uh, I guess it was the earlier blog. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. So there weren't blogs, but I had a nice printer. My dad, <laughs> we got a computer and we got a printer that printed color paper like color pictures that was huge so like my sister designed this she graphic designed this i called it the asian cult newsletter (laughs) and uh i remember in high school i was passing it around and my teachers was like you should call it cultural because it might freak people out (laughs) if we call it asian cult and so but i wrote about comedy at that one point and i wanted to do stand-up but i never had the balls to do it and i was like 16 you were writing about wanting to do comedy when yes. you were 16. Yeah. To your school. To my school, yeah. To my student. I gave it to teachers. I handed it to students to read. And, wow. Uh, I had this dream of doing stand-up. That's and what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Yes. And be a filmmaker, too. Right. Like, Woody Allen was like, oh, you can be a stand-up and a filmmaker. Yeah. So that was sort of my thing. But uh, I was 16, and I didn't know what I... I was an idiot. I mean, like, I didn't have an ex- life experience. Yeah, you yeah know? no 16-year-old does. No. So I uh, I kind of just got a job at um, my lens crafters. That's been, I still work there now. Nice. So I'm working 20 years. I, not straight. I worked in private optical places, but that's what I've been doing for 20 years. It's Interesting. Been, yeah, working in the optical Is business. Is that part of why you call it? Your open mic vision quest? Does no, that's just that's just serendipity. Yeah, okay. people ask me the same thing. They always is that ask. Right? Yeah, they go like, "Oh, is that why you?" No, it's that's the brewery. It's called Vision Quest. Ah. So I just took it over from Tobias Livingston. He started the mic there. Oh, shout out Tobias. Yeah, he started the. He is sort of like the godfather of Boulder comedy. Mm-hmm. Like he st- started Johnny's, which I don't know if you remember Johnny's. Mm-mm. It was like one of the. There's been a you know. John Novosad told me there were mics before, back when he started, you know, back in 81. Wow. Um, I forgot where it was, but somewhere in Pearl Street. Okay. And, but like, Johnny's, I think, lasted four years here in Boulder. Nice. And, but the only, the reason why it got, it got closed down, and like Tobias said, it's been gentrified. Ah. By a really old white neighborhood. It was already like, it was a cigar bar. Turned into a pizza hut? Uh, no, it's an office now. Oh. Yeah. Okay. A pizza hut office. Pizza hut office. Um. <laughs> So you finished high school in New Jersey, and then you decide to move to Colorado to go to college, to film school. Is that right? No, I was. I did. Um, I flunked out. It took me seven years to like finish college. Really? Yeah, it was bad. I uh, got depressed and didn't know what to do. Because uh, you know, it was sort of like that realization that I don't have any connections in Hollywood. Right. I was like, I didn't have anything to say um, at that time. At my life, the the filmmaker uh, was like the kid who had the video camera and made movies on mm. his spare time, like Robert Rodriguez. And mm. I read the book like that, and but I never did that. I was too shy, and I couldn't like 
I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any actors. I can I knew my cousins, but they were too busy. Right. So I didn't. I tried to make a movie one time with my friends, and it failed miserably. A horror movie. Did you make it actually? Does it exist? Uh, I, I think I shot like three minutes, and that was it. And I gave up. What was it called? I forgot. <sighs> I totally forgot what it was. But it was like a mixture of Wonder Years meets Evil Dead. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was like a about this kid who there was a narration like the show Wonder Years, but then he finds out he's like a a slayer. It's like so. It's almost like before Buffy. Yeah. At one point. A little bit right. Um, but I, I wrote the script and I couldn't do it. I didn't realize that like filmmaking is not just writing a script. It's a whole other deal. About, There's so much that goes into it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I can do it. So, uh, I went into film school realizing that and film school here in Boulder. No, in, in New Jersey. In went, New Jersey. Yeah. I got a, I got, I was awarded a full ride scholarship. Wow. Yeah. So you were a good student in high school though. Yes. I was number five in my class. Out of six or... No, there was like, I don't know, eight hundred. Oh my god! It was a big, it was a big high school. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I might be, it might be less than eight hundred, but yeah. Right. So I was number five in my class, and I was awarded a full ride scholarship to a state college. Yeah. Uh, William Patterson. Okay. And it was a, it was on the our, what we called a mountain, but it was a hill, um, and but I lost my scholarship, and. Uh, there's actually a, a comedy routine in how I lost that scholarship, but um, but so you're having trouble with film school and staying consistent, and you flunk out. Yes, I flunk out and lose the scholarship. Whoa! And I told my parents, and they were kind of disappointed, but they were like kind of understanding. So I worked for like lens crafters for a year full time, so I got benefits and everything. Okay. Um, so I I just worked. Yeah. And, and how then, old are you at this point? 1920 okay and then it took me a few years because I think I did like maybe two classes a semester or something like that so it took me seven years to finally get that degree it's not even filmmaking it was like communications bachelor's in communications <laughs> um I made some films there which were okay yeah uh I made that Garrett Mountain I mentioned I shot a film there but we were almost kicked out oh um because I had like it was my friends we all had a I had like an actual film camera, not a digital camera. Nice. Um, and the prop was a blow-up doll. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> From the porn theater, or? No, I, I I had this crazy idea about meditation because I was also getting into Eastern philosophy at the time. Wow. And so I made this film about meditation, and I think uh, Mara, the the temptress in the Buddha story, I I made it a blow-up doll, <laughs> and. The cops showed up on their horses, yeah. uh, the park police, and they were like, hey, guys, what are you doing? And we're like holding a blow-up doll <laughs> and a camera, and I'm like, we're making a film. <laughs> and he's like, and they're like, do you have a permit? And I'm like, do we need one? And they're like, yes. And they were like, well, it's like, it's, I'm only going to be here an hour. Can I just shoot for an hour? And they're like, all right. But, like, you know, if our, if our captain sees you, you have to go out. And so they let us shoot nice. for an hour or so. That one I completed. Okay. That I was proud of myself because I had this whole shot list ready that was complicated, and I sort of kind of said, fuck it, and I threw out the shot list, and I just improvised, and I told my friends, do this, do that, and I finished it. Really? How long was the film? It was only like five minutes. Okay. Even less. But it looked beautiful, though, because it you was like... you still have it? No, that's missing somewhere. Ah. Yeah. I don't Man. know where. It's on VHS tape. Okay. But it was, I edited it on like a Steinbeck, 
and then wow. like film and then like trans- then he got transferred into a VHS tape so yeah and yeah. so how old are you when you finally finish and get that degree uh, 2006 2006 so it's 25 25 and then how long until you decide to move to Colorado 2006 summer <laughs> same year really. yes so, so I graduated in May 2006 and then moved to Boulder August 2006 what was the reason was it uh, I was into Eastern philosophy a lot okay like Buddhism I read this guru uh, I went to a retreat in Ojai California mm-hmm. um, uh, his name he goes by the name of Krishnamurti. I wrote my thesis, my master's thesis on it. Um, he was a strange guy, but he influenced like the Dalai Lama and Bruce Lee, oh, nice. Van Morrison, all these guys. And uh, so I visit. I was into that, and then my philo- my my philosophy professor happened to uh, was offered at one point the job to Naropa as president, but turned it down, or they didn't hire him. Mm. But he said, hey, why don't you, you're so into this, why don't you just, what about Naropa? And I go like, I go like okay, I mean, I'll apply. And he said, yeah, don't worry, I'll, I'll write this recommendation letter and you'll get in. Nice. And so that's what happened. And they got in and uh, I was searching enlightenment at the time. Uh-huh. And um, I realized, no, you just get student loan debt. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sort of, I mean, yeah, it was like a, I get out, I finished, I got my master's degree and I finished and, but it didn't get me a job or anything. I just went back to LensCrafters and started working. Whoa. Yeah. Oh and man. That, and I went into this huge depression of like, well, I don't know what I want to do yeah. with my life. And so I was just constantly working. I mean, at this point, it sounds like you have interests all over the place, like filmmaking, Eastern philosophy, religion, yeah. philosophy. art. Yeah. I was, art, I was comedy. into art. Like, you know, I know. I talk to comedians; they're like laughing at what art is. And, mm. But it's like, I like you know, creative things. Art. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't an engineer type or a science type or something. You're a creative like, type. I was the creative type. I I didn't, I couldn't like go into an office and make money or something like that. That wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. So I was watching movies, watching comedy, and doing while I was after Naropa and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I met a girl. Um, we met at work, but she was, she was, she had a boyfriend at the time. Mm. We went out and she kissed me and I was like, don't you have a boyfriend? And so I was the other guy for a moment. Oh, you knew you were the other guy. I knew I was the other guy. Yeah. That's gotta be a weird feeling. It was, there was a bit of jealousy there. Um, but then like, it was weird because I don't know. She caught us at one point. Oh. But she was had this weird Jedi trick that she did where she just told him the truth, like, Oh, I'm just hanging out with my friend and we're gonna we're gonna Anthony here and we're gonna watch a movie and have dinner and then be back by eleven and he just said, Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Uh but it got weirder because she was like I would ask her, Hey, let's see each other and she's like, No, I'm hanging out with my boyfriend and they live together and uh-huh. they're parents house her parents house and uh she i think he got jealous because he noticed we were hanging out more and then he proposed to her whoa out of jealousy yeah yeah that's not good so she had to like kind of tell me like we're getting married whoa yeah and i was like so are we still hanging out (laughs) (laughs) and she's like yeah and i'm like 
well, how are we going to hang out? And she's like, well, as friends. And I was like, but I kind of like you. Yeah, and for real. So, and then, you know, I might have dropped, I might have dropped the, uh, the L word uh. at one point. Uh, and it, it kind of went like, you know what? I, I gave it an ultimatum and said, I'm out. Mm-hmm. This is like, it's either me or him. So for you. And I think she's married. So she's married now to him. I think so. Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. So I hope they're very. Yeah, happy I'm very. Happy. I mean, like, I guess I pushed him to propose. I you don't created know. a marriage. You weren't. A home I created. Writer. Yeah, I wasn't. A, no, You're a home builder. I'm a home builder. That's that's I'm right. Martello, the home builder. It's not fucking funny at all. I tried to. Get, I uh. I my I grew my hair long and I. Uh, I really, I like it, it's okay. I get compliments, people come up to me who haven't seen me in a while, and go like, hey, rock star. I'm like, yeah. The problem is, I really like a short, I like my hair short. I like it really like shaved in the sides and the back and a little bit on the top. But the problem is, is that whenever I get a haircut, I walk outside, so I'll be like, hey, it's Kim Jong-un. It's the Asian mullet, business in the front, communist party in the back. I like to throw in random questions into the middle of these. Yeah. I'm not trying to catch you off guard or anything, but um, do you ever pick your nose? Yeah. 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 Privately, of course. But sure. Yeah. But you do. Well, yeah. I mean, I have like allergies, so it's uh, ridiculous. Well, I mean, like I use a tissue and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you okay. Know. No, I'm a big time picker. That's why yeah. I ask. First thing in the morning when I wake up. Wow. Yeah. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Gosh. Or before I undo my alarm or whatever. Yep. Just picking, cleaning it out. Um, <laughs> so that's, I mean, yeah, that's who I am. Uh, I like how you're, vul- you're vulnerable right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm t- I do. I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. I mean, if you have a podcast, I think you got to just be yourself and talk you about know, yourself. Brene Brown doesn't talk about that when she, I don't know if you know Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's that? Daring Greatly? Yeah, I have that her? book. I yeah. actually, I, you know, I like her. I like her. How is that book, by the way? Because I have the other one that's like, I thought I was enough or something. What's the next one? I never read. I mean, it's basically like, you know, I read that while I was starting out and doing comedy and wasn't doing so well. Ah, yeah. Where it was sort of like, be vulnerable. So it's like, mm-hmm. take chances of what you want to do with comedy. So there was that sort of ah, yeah. motivation I got from it. But I realized that, you know, you can be vulnerable in comedy, but you also have to be funny. First and foremost, you have to be funny. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a given, but I guess the only vulnerable, you know, it, the reason why you should be vulnerable in comedy is maybe because I think it's not about, like, therapy. I think it's more like you, your stories are going to be more interesting. Yeah, and more relatable. More relatable. So right. when you're vulnerable, you're more like, okay, I'm opening this part, which might be unique to people, but yet relatable. Mm-hmm. So your comedy stands out. And right. I think that's more why you should be vulnerable and calm. What we're trying to say is that we both pick our nose um, a lot. With a tissue, everybody. With, uh, he uses a tissue. Um, you do? <laughs> no. It's like a, no, it's like oh, a condom. Dude, well, it's I'll like cut a, this out, but I get it. It's a like a nose condom. No. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you can wrap it around. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that technique. I respect that technique. So you decide to move to Boulder, and how long until you actually do stand-up comedy for the first time? Like, is it on your mind at all? Uh, so the, the the reason I told about that story about the girl was that um, when she married a guy, uh, it was like you know what, I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast and I was like, I was like oh you know this sounds cool maybe I should try it out and uh, 2013 my first set was at Comedy Works 
In Denver. In Denver, New Talent Night. Wow. Which was weird because most people don't do that. First yeah, it's set. daunting for a first set. Yeah. So I did it. I don't remember it. I think I did okay. You don't remember any jokes from that set at all? Mm, I think my first joke was people were applauding because the uh, it was John Christ who was the host. Okay. Uh, he's a bit known right now. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I remember him introducing me and saying, this new con- is a, this is his first time, so everybody's hyped up. And when I get, as soon as I got out, people were like, "Yay!" And there's a huge applause. And I think I the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, "We, I wish." It goes like, "Oh, I wish I got this applause when I lost my virginity or something like that." <laughs> it got a little bit of a laugh, but right. that's that's all I remember. Okay. Yeah. How long did you go up for? Two minutes. Two minutes. I don't know. I don't even know if I did the two minutes. I think it only did a minute and a half. Yeah. And I was just really fast. What what drove you to do that in the first place, though? Because you just you are listening to a podcast and sound interested in it. Broken heart, you know. It's like, really? uh, you know, my friend Tobias said that like there's always there seems like I, I think it applies to male comics. I'm, I apologize. I don't know what stages for female comics, but mm-hmm. for me, I think it's for male comics. It's sort of like you see the the kid who's just graduated high school and doesn't know what to do college, so they do stand up, right. or you get somebody in their their 20s who are like getting out of college and don't know what to do they go stand up and my age late 20s 30s divorce or breakup or something like that they go to do stand up so there's always like this i think reason like maybe a tragedy yeah that pushes them was it to help deal with it you think yeah 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 well and it was like a, a dream that i've been thinking about since i was 16 that's right yeah and i think i was 32 so it took me 16 years to finally get up you were 32 when you first yeah did it did it yeah wow and i felt so old because everybody was in their 20s right so i was like i don't know if i can do this but even now like when i go to mike's i feel i'm 24 and i feel old because like you see 17 year olds uh, mics. Well, you know, I, it's, it's only now. I think it's the 17-year-olds because YouTube's been around yeah. for a while. And so stand-up has been very accessible. That, right. So you see these kids who are pretty good. Um, but when I started out, I was like 20. So you're, like, you're the average age, 24. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're okay. You know, yeah. you still, you know, I've been doing this seven years now. It's uh, it's all right. I mean, like I'm almost forty. <laughs> yeah, I like it. You got a lot of life experience to draw from. At least twice as much as me, I'd say. That's what I think. Why also was yeah. like I actually had something to say. Right. At this, at thirty-two, I was like, okay, well, I failed at this, and I did this, and mm-hmm. so I had actually something to say. So that's sort of what also brought me to stand up as well. And then, how long between the first time you go up and the second time? Uh, I believe it was a month. And why, why was it a month? Uh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I was like, I liked it. It was fine, but it was like I, I didn't think I killed it. Mm-hmm. So it was, I didn't. There was no drive. Like I got to do this again. So and I went to Kinga's Lounge okay. when there was an open mic at the time. Yeah, and it was very packed. It was like I think that was at the time Dub D mic, and it was on a Sunday night. Okay. And I think it was like 30 comics or something like that. And everybody knew each other. Uh, you know, that's why I, I don't want to mention names. But, yeah, it was the people who are now big time here in Denver yeah. at the time. And Like Sam Talent? Is that who you're talking about? Uh, was Sam there? No. But I think Jordan Dahl was the host. Okay. Um, I can't remember who. Maybe Nalun might be there. Shout too. out Lund. Yeah. I, did, I sat down with him as well. I did one of these. 
So, yeah, I mean, Nate Balding, I think, was there. And so a lot of people there are now kind of doing well now. Yeah. Uh, but I bombed. It was it was so terrible. How'd you deal with that? Bombing really early like that isn't a great thing. To I think deal. it took me two months. Two so you take a month to do the second and then two more months to go back. Yes. Mm. And uh, and then I think I bombed again. <laughs> and then I bombed a lot. And then so. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what happened. So that was like February of 2013. And then like two months later, what is that? March or mm-hmm. April, April. Kinga's. Uh, it was almost serendipity because. um there was a mic that I was heard that was being started at Johnny Cigar Bar in Boulder. Okay. And I was like, that's only a few miles from where I lived. Nice. And I went there, and James Gold um, was the host. But then there was Tobias Livingston, who was doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan Ames was there. Um, Cody Spiker was there. Um, I think she's not doing comedy anymore, but she's she was hilarious. Nice. Um, she was yeah, she was great in Denver. Uh yeah, I think it was like her third time or something like that. Wow. So we all met and we did stand up there. And um that sort of started the Boulder scene, sort of. Really? Yeah. Like you kind of saw the beginning of the Boulder comedy scene. Yes. I was there in the beginning. Wow. So and it was we and it was sort of like Denver was far and this mic just all of a sudden just kept going. Like at first it was every other week, so it was twice a month. Right. And then it got well enough that to, uh, James was hosting the first one, James Gold, and then Dylan Ames took over, and then Tobias took over. Mm-hmm. And when Tobias took over, it went became weekly. And it just became the hot spot for a while, for nice. a great while. And it was so close to home, I was able to do some comedy. Yeah. And that's sort of how I grew. Basically, nice. yeah, that's um, that's pretty amazing that it happened that close to you. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, is that like you know, I guess I'm, I, I'm not ashamed. I mean, like I'm a Boulder comic. Yep. Um, you know, people go like, well, you know, you should do Denver more and things like that. And I like Denver, and I love Fort Collins. They're great scenes. Um, but I work a forty-hour job, right. and it's sort of like, it's so easy. It's so close. It's home. literally right there. So yeah. So then like. You know, Jacob Rupp started there, mm-hmm. and I met Jacob Rupp, and all these comedians now that are in Denver now. Right. Um, they moved to Denver, Kevin Clapman. So they sort of also, like, did other mics and then started doing other shows. And mm-hmm. um, so Alan Bromwell, yeah. I mean, it was like people started doing things. Like, this was maybe the first or second year of Johnny's. Wow. And it sort of just that's it took from there and it's still going strong yeah i guess from there and then i have vision quest so it's sort of like nice yeah um all right let me uh keep asking you things oh yeah we have some guests by the way yeah some more guests we are in a, a public library so yes i reserved it for an hour is it an hour now uh it's been about 40 minutes oh 40 minutes so okay I believe we still have till three o'clock till three well we have 10 minutes now. 10 minutes okay all right uh maybe we'll finish this in the parking lot um, another random question, I guess, to throw in here. Oh, and oh cool. They got it. <laughs> they got it, yeah. They, they left. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess, yeah, maybe we need to wrap it up. That's a shame because I'm having a great time. But uh, what is the biggest regret in your entire life? 
Uh, so, uh, it's hard having uh, Asian parents. Cause, like, I have an older sister who's more successful than I am. Uh, she's, uh, she makes a lot of money. She's the architect of Walmart. Yeah. How fucking hard is that? It's a box, everybody. <laughs> One side equals the other. But she got a huge promotion and she bought a big house. She bought, uh, she bought a house in Atlanta. And I, I, I love her, so I still ha I have to help her move. So I was in Atlanta helping her move. I didn't realize how successful she became. R. Kelly lives in her neighborhood. Yeah. My parents are like, why can't you be more like your sister? R. Kelly lives in the neighborhood. And I'm like, what? I live next to registered sex offenders too. Terry at A26, he's no Grammy Award winner. But he says Merry Christmas. Oh, ooh. damn. That's a loaded question. It absolutely is loaded, yeah. I, I think I should have stuck, kept that scholarship. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a huge loan that I will never pay off. I think <laughs> my, my great-great-grandchildren will be paying off that loan. Oh, so, shout out to them. Yeah, well, you know. If, they're, if they are alive to... Yeah, know. if climate change doesn't get them say, first, yeah. yeah they're so. not born so there's in a, the water. There's a race between student loan debt and climate change. <laughs> Let's see who wins. Uh, all right, um, I guess I'm going to ask the more important ones because I guess we've been blown through them, but do you ever second-guess comedy? What do you mean by second-guess? Like uh, You're this far in now. Um, do you ever think, like, maybe... I should I, quit? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I've dedicated too much time to it. I don't know. Uh, every week. No. Every week? <laughs> every weekend on Thursday, right, at 6.30. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. Are, there are rough nights. I mean, I think I've ex accepted the fact that I don't think I'm going to be making money like a rich. I'm not going to be a rich comedian mm -hmm. anytime soon. I just love the fact of doing it. Right. Uh, I love the community that's mm -hmm. around here and the friends I made. Uh, you know, John and John Novosad, I... He's a great, I like it. I think I consider him a mentor. I mean, he's just a guy that he's from Boulder too. And Dude, I see him all around town. And He I, works hard. For a guy who's been doing it as long as I've been alive, he works very hard. He works hard. And he, it's so you'll just be. Yeah. And nice. The thing is that you would see him, as much as clout he has in this, in this town, in Denver, you'll see him at an open mic. Right. You know, he'll support these small shows. Yeah. Um, what's your preparation process like? Uh, I, I pace a lot. People notice that about me. I pace. That's how I'm, you know, I'm thinking about a set. Ah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, you know, I looked it up. It's a symptom of anxiety. Well, that's not, ah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, every comedian has that, but sure. I mean, I'm pacing back and forth and that's my process is just like, I'm constantly thinking, Okay. thinking about set lists and what I want to say. Um, and I've heard you talk a little bit about just the idea of goals, but I'm still going to ask you anyway. What is the goal in comedy for you? Uh, I tr I do small goals. Like okay. my, when I started out, my goal was to be like at least known in the t in the in the scene. Sure. Which I think I'm okay. Yeah. I'm kind of known. Like I can go to an open mic and get a good spot. Right. Um. So I'm I've accomplished that. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I looked up, you know, at Hippie Man at one point, and I was like, wow. And, you know, I'm here I am featuring for him. I'm like, that's nice. I didn't expect that. Uh, I guess now my goal, I would like to be in the Bohemian Beer Garden show. 
The Bohemian Beer Garden. Yeah. I don't know this show. It's the Boulder Comedy Show. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that's the next school. Yes, I would like to be in that nice big show that in the town that I live in. Hint, hint. Somebody <laughs> who can get me connected. I live in this town, and I. It's been around since I've started comedy. It's been around seven years. Wow. And I don't know how exactly how to get in. Hmm. I heard it's pretty hard. Well, well, I'll share the hell out of this, and we'll see what we can do. I know. Talk to some people. Yeah, you know, I I only run, like, you know, the open mic here in Boulder. That's right. But that's all, you know. For two years. Two years. and You know, knows John Novosad. What's the best comedic advice you've ever heard? Um, Do weed. Really? That's from John. Does that help? Well, no, he didn't say that flat out. Okay. But I remember having conversations with him, and he was saying that your inhibitions get le- like you get learned to take chances. Um, I do it more from an anxiety point of view. Like I'm not jittery, and I actually relax, and I can slow down, and I can be aware of what's going on. So fascinating. But does, do you think it makes you funnier? Uh, I don't know, but makes me funnier. But it definitely relaxes me, so I can pay attention to things. Mm. Okay. So, yes. It, I, 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 funny, I don't know what makes me funnier, but it definitely makes me like, oh, let me be in the now and figure this out. So, yes, it slows things down. That's what I like about it. Do you still get nervous? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Seven years in, you still get nervous before shows? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I have this bag of tricks and jokes I have uh-huh. but you know the audience you can never tell you know right. you walk in and you're like okay what type of audience this is are they gonna like me or not so yeah of course you know yeah why would you why would you do it if you're not nervous you'd be bored wow that's beautiful well said uh, how do you balance comedy and a full-time job I don't I mean like you know I I'm just it's hard like it's, I feel like I put more attention to like I don't like live at home. <laughs> you don't like that. That's why, like you know, we we're supposed to do this at my house, but it's like I'm just so like not at home. Yeah. That like I neglect things, and I'm always out or hanging out or working. Like right. I've been like working overtime, and it's just I have another job, and I just I don't know. I don't know if I'm just trying to like not mm. be home, and I'm trying to. That's my New Year's resolution is actually like. Learn to be home more. Learn to be home. Yeah, it's like read or yeah. do something, and yeah, instead of being out. All I mean, the time. yeah, I'm not talking shit at all, but I did read a book called like um, by Marie Kondo, and it's about organizing things. I clean my home, and I love spending time there now. But yeah, I was kind of like that as well. Yeah, I would just go out, but until I cleaned my home and I actually liked it and respected it. That's that's a good resolution, I think, for myself. Um, and you know what? You might have already talked about it, but what is the hardest thing about comedy to you? Hardest thing about comedy? Uh, I guess it's learning how to balance those things because it's so addictive. It is a drug. Yeah. I think it's a drug. Right. Once you're doing it well and you know. Once you've done well once, you know. One, yeah. yeah. And then you're getting these shows and people like you. Um, you have to learn how to go like step away from it and be like, oh, you know, I should pay attention to this friend more. Or Yeah, you don't want your ego to get too inflated. Yeah, or, oh, I, I should fill out that form. Ah, I should know. feed my cat. Feed my, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, another random question. Have you ever had an idea for an invention? Uh, no, I have not. If I did, I would be rich right now. Well, I just smoke a little more weed. You'll get there. <laughs> I just have stupid ideas. Sure, yeah. 
Um, I want to throw in a fill in the blank that I like to throw at comedians. Say what you want about racism, but everybody's a little racist. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean you have to say it. That's where I have to make the clarification there. Yeah, that's right. You, you know? don't have to be racist yeah. is what we're saying. I, I catch myself. I'm like, oh, that's a bit racist, Anthony. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say it, but you can think it. Yeah, but I'm like, it's just thoughts. That's yeah. what I learned from meditation. It's like, oh. Nice. Um, that's just my little racist talk <laughs> that I will tuck away below and not ever think about it again. Uh, what's uh, And lastly, what's your worst bomb story? Worst bomb story? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, ooh, uh, that's, that's uh, I don't know. I mean, I've dealt with, uh, uh, worst bomb story. I got really high once and just said, I can't do this and walked off stage. Mm. Um, middle of the set. Middle of a set. Um, oh, I, I guess the worst bomb story was um, there was a girl I was interested in, and she actually came to see me. Nice. Uh, she was a doctor. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and it was two weeks after Trump was elected. Oh. And some guy decided to call me a chink. Oh, oh sorry, sh- a gook. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry, a gook. And I go, like, what an idiot. That's like a Vietnamese racial slur. And then I Wikipedia it. It's like, oh, no, it's actually a Filipino. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the Boulder races are very smart. Or he just took a chance. I don't know. <laughs> and yes, he was lucky. He was right. The gook is a Filipino raci- racial slur. So. Shout out to that guy. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, you know what? These people look like they want to get in here. and they're, I don't know if they're going to come back, but... This is my favorite part of every podcast. I like to end them by asking a bunch of rapid-fire questions. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to throw a bunch out at you. Just okay. answer the best of your ability. Sure. Um, what's your favorite color? Uh, blue. Do you collect anything? I used to. Muse, uh, vinyl. Vinyl. Yes. Uh, what's your pin number? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, there's several. Uh, Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. uh, Chinatown. Okay. Um, are you addicted to anything? Yes. Yes. I. I hate to say it, cigarettes. It's not. Okay. I'm very. I, that's very shameful for me. It's I, shameful. Yes, because it's stupid. I, you know, everything else, I'm kind of like, I don't know. How long have you smoked cigarettes? More than like uh, 19. Wow. Yeah. All right. Terrible. Shout out Marble. I've quit. Like, I don't know. See, see, this is I'm, the Catholic guilt is coming out right now. It's it's like, I'm trying, everybody. I'm trying. Here. We're a bunch of vulnerable people. Trying to quit. Um, let's see. Who has it harder, men or women? Humans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your favorite cartoon of all time? Uh, ooh. Uh, that's a good one. I don't know. Ghostbusters. Real Ghostbusters. Interesting. Yes. Um, what's the difference between love and in love? Uh, love and in love. Okay, in love, I think is infatuation. Mm. You can be in love with somebody or think they're great and amazing. Uh, love is like you're in that like comedy where it's like it can be really shitty at certain times, um, but you, you tough it out because that's love. That's my parents been married for. Nine years. My dad passed away recently, so it's 49 years. So I've seen them go through shit. Yeah. But I go, so I have this hard, this huge litmus test, litmus test to like, like, oh, that's what I watched them go through. I'm like, that's love. That's, that's love. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, what would the world be better without? 
Uh, I, I, that I, I don't know. I, what, what it would, what the world would be better without? Mm-hmm. <sighs> cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cigarettes. All right. Yeah, that, that, yeah, definitely. Um, and this is a broad question. What do you recommend? What do I recommend in general? Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, I don't know. I guess. No, uh, no, uh, know yourself, really. Not, not be. Um, what's the word? Self awareness. Self awareness. Thank you. All that's right. that's the key to any comedian. I, the ones that are not that good, I'm gonna tell you straight out. Yeah. From what I've done seven years, they lack self awareness. More self awareness. Listen, listen to that, comedians. Yes. Uh, a couple more. What's your biggest fear? Biggest fear. Uh... Uh, debt, financial debt. Oh man, that's my biggest fear. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and don't put too much thought into it. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of comedians? Oh, that's that's uh, Chris Rock, nice. Uh, George Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, Woody Allen, okay. Richard Pryor. There's your four. There's my four. Is there only four? Yeah. Rushmore. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'll put, so, oh, can I add Robert Schimmel? Robert Schimmel will take out Chris. I like Chris, but all right, uh, take out Woody Allen. Take Let's, out Woody Allen for Schimmel. For Schimmel. We'll put Woody, yeah, Robert Schimmel. R.I.P. Schimmel. Because uh, Woody Allen hasn't done comedy in a long time, so we'll put Robert Schimmel there. Fair enough. Um, two more. Ever broken a bone? No, I oh. have not. All right, well, hey, your next show, break a leg. Oh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> I have insurance, though, so we're good. <laughs> and lastly, uh, fill in the blank. My name is Anthony Bartolo, and I am? Uh, a comedian. All right. Yeah. Anthony Bartolo, the comedian. Man, thank you for doing this. I guess we got to get out of here. Yeah, hear yeah. people chattering. Yeah. They're, they're and gonna, you know what? While we have a little bit they of They got to study now. for the LSAT. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Boulder. Oh, yeah, it's Boulder. Yeah, they're getting ready to be like, I don't know, work for the UN or something. All right. Um, hey, man, thanks again for doing this. Oh, yeah, they're, they're bringing, breaking down the door now. They're so. literally breaking down the door. Yeah. These Boulderinians, is that how you say it? Boulderites. 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 Yes. They are yeah. very bold yeah. right now. Yeah, they're very bold. <laughs> Let's uh, count how many minorities are in that group <laughs> when we one. leave. There's one. You see one? I believe there's one. Okay. The other two. Alrighty. All right. Thanks All right. Again, thank man. you. And there you have it. Uh, that was Anthony Bartolo, everybody. Oh, my God. Dude, huge shout-out to Anthony for doing that. Um, you know, Anthony was cool as hell, man. You might have heard also that some people kind of walked in towards the end, but I don't know. Yeah, we were kind of we were, we finished the interview as all these people were setting up to talk about, like, I don't know, like a boner pill maybe. What do people sell? What are businesses based around off of? Like the Shopify store, they're like, hey, everybody, look at this. I'm selling t-shirts on Instagram. Look at, they got trends on them. Maybe that's what they were talking about, but a bunch of people came in. And it was so funny because one person walked in as we were interviewing and they were like, whoa, hey, sorry. Like they saw us with microphones and they're like, all right, I'm interrupting something. And then they fucked off a little bit. And uh, they stood outside of the conference room door. And then, like, a bunch of other people started gathering up. There was, like, fucking 15 or 20 people just standing out there. 
And I was like, you know what? As long as they're not coming in, I'm going to keep this interview going. And so I squeezed in a few more questions, as you have to. You got to do it. And, uh, and Anthony was so game. He was like, yeah, dude, ask me whatever. This is cool. Um, yeah, that was that was super cool. It was it was really awesome to catch up with him. Like we kind of talked about in the beginning, he was just a comedian that I had seen at the Nerd Mike one time getting heckled. And I saw him before the heckle, but then after the heckle, I was like, holy shit, this guy... Like, this is what he does, you know? If he's willing to, like, get off a stage and, like, go walk up to the guy and then just talk shit right to him with the microphone, I'm like, yeah, this guy just doesn't just hit open mics. I don't know, it kind of hit me that he knew what he was doing and uh, he was a little more seasoned or experienced and whatever, that was awesome, man. So, big shout-out to Anthony, who, who actually gave me a lot of advice after we recorded, too. You know, we, <clears throat> we just had a nice conversation off the microphone. And I wish we would have recorded that. Uh, Anthony, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, you gave a lot of valuable information. And and I don't know. I think it would have been great. So, you know what? If you're down for a part two, I'm down to do a part two. I think you have a lot to say. You know, if I ask you questions specifically about, like, what do I do in this instance? I'm sure you just have something of value that's, uh, that's worth saying. So, you know what? If you're out there and you want to do a part two, hell yeah, let's do it. But to any other comedians listening... Uh, first of all, thank you, because that's awesome. Uh, you know, I do stand-up sometimes. I'm not amazing. I'm ordinaire, honestly. And, you know, what? talking to all these comedians and all these different types of people, it's, it's the most fun that I've ever had. And holy shit, I can't believe that I'm doing this and that other people are interested. So huge thank you to all of you. And if you would like to be a part of it, I am just a message away on Facebook or... Instagram, whatever, you can do that thing where you send, like, an anonymous envelope. Um, I don't know how you're going to figure out where I live, but you can do that one as well. I reply to anonymous envelopes um, on the regular. But I am feeling incredibly sick, so I'm going to have to call this one and uh, and go take some DeQuil, because that's what I call it. And, uh, and all my uh, friends think that I'm not funny, so... Anyways, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Alright, just going to do a sound check really quick. If you want to talk into the microphone, just what is your favorite color? Uh, Blue. What's your favorite color person? (laughs) Favorite color person? Mm -hmm. You mean like race? Yeah, yeah, just your (laughs) favorite uh, I guess, uh, uh, beige. <laughs> nice.